Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Now I've done some scary stuff in my life. I've been to war zones. I've been shot at. I've come under mortar attack. I've even interviewed Donald Trump. But nothing prepared me for the most terrifying assignment of all. Could I learn stand-up comedy and make a room full of people laugh? I'm journalist Simon Houston, and this is my journey. And over these eight episodes, I'll be picking the brains of the best in the business as I aim to crack the laughter game. And could I possibly achieve the ultimate goal? Taken to the stage at the world's biggest comedy festival? This is Laughter Unlocked. This podcast from the Scottish Sun is brought to you in association with Harry Corey Interiors for all your home furnishing needs. Visit harrycorry.com or pop into one of our many stores nationwide. Joining me in this episode are two of the brightest lights in the stand-up game, Christopher McCaffrey Boyd and Roscoe McClelland. A gifted storyteller with a great stage presence, Roscoe is a former winner of the Scottish Comedian of the Year Award. He also has a style that's seen him compared to the great Billy Conley, no less. You can catch him on BBC Scotland series Up For It on iPlayer, where he takes part in a series of hilarious off-the-wall challenges alongside fellow comedians Ashley Story and today's co-guest on Laughter Unlocked, Christopher MacArthur Boyd. Glasgow born and bred, Christopher is very much the rising star of Scottish stand-up. He burst onto the scene in 2018 and has a clutch of awards to his name already, winning Best Breakthrough Act at the 2019 Comedy Awards and being listed 59th funniest person in Scottish history on a list of 60. Christopher and Roscoe performed together at the post-lockdown Edinburgh Fringe in August 2021, so they're ideal guests for the latest Laughter Unlocked. So I'm joined by Christopher MacArthur Boyd and Roscoe McClelland. Guys, how are you? I'm very well, thank you, Simon. I'm also very well, thank you. Good, good. You've been busy? I, I, I Honestly, since like uh, the last like couple of months, I've been... Probably the busiest I feel like I've ever been. Um, I just like, it was as if I had like nothing and then it was like, now you've got everything. I'm like, oh, I wasn't ready for that, man. But yeah, I thought it would be a slow return, but it was actually an extremely rapid return from sitting in my pants for 16 months to leaving the house every day and shouting at people for money. Yeah. <laughs> and what about stand-up? Yeah, that's been good as well. Yeah, nice. <laughs> Comedy was... The one thing a lot of people f- feared would be last to come back or anything that involved in a wee theatre, intimate theatre with yeah. people indoors. You guys did the uh, did the Fringe, 2021 Fringe, but it was with a difference, wasn't it? Well, I would just like to clarify, we both done the Fringe, but Roscoe done six days and I done, what, 20 days, 21 days? And you know what? Do you know who had the better time? Me, the six day guy. It yeah. was amazing. Man. Was it consecutive six days or were the six days spread out over the course of the Well, month. in terms of like doing an actual show and putting my name on it, it was six days. I was still back through like most of the month doing like a couple of gigs a night here and there and stuff like that. But having the real pressure of like, right, I need to like sell this and blah, blah, blah and and, and all that kind of stuff and going, I need to work on all this stuff. It was just six days consecutive and it was beautiful. It was Apart probably the, the best fringe ever. Aye, aye, it, it was it was my favourite one. Is that um, because is that because the expectations were low? 
A, because the expectations were low, B, there was usually, usually there's like 6,000 shows and now there was like 400 shows, but there was like half as many people. So everything sold out. So everybody right. just had a very lucrative and fun year where there was no like, rev- well, there was reviews, but most people were doing work in progress shows. And when it comes to writing, so like everybody else, you had 16 to 18 months largely doing nothing. Mm-hmm. And then you're told, okay, it's on, you've got the fringes on. Is it a case of having 18 months worth of material flown about your head and just editing it down? Or did, was it was it kind of last minute stuff? Or how, how did you how did you find the kind of putting the, putting the show together? Well, Roscoe, what do you think? Because you were very busy with your Twitch channel, weren't you? Yeah, I was most I was doing a I was doing a show on a website called Twitch every single night. So I didn't realise that I was like building up and like like make myself better by doing like an hour and a half of just like freestyling to people every night. Um, but it, it, it apparently did because when it came time, they're like, right, this is happening. You need to write material. I was like, all oh, right, well, what thoughts have I been having? I was like, well, what was funny? And I was like, all oh, right, there's all this stuff that's just kind of floating around the periphery of yeah. my, my head. And I just like pulled something together and it worked really well. It was like, it came in pretty much like almost fully formed bits most a little bit of editing here and there but i done that live during the fringe so i was just like oh this has been great man so so there maybe wasn't the the rustiness that that some because there was i suppose there was two schools i thought during the lockdown the folk who wanted to do virtual comedy mm-hmm. and people who thought no comedy has to be face to face in a room and i mean Chris, did you do much of the, the virtual stuff? I'd done the Twitch stuff and I'd done a couple of virtual gigs. It wasn't my bread and butter. I just thought it was like, I like going through Edinburgh and doing a show because then you get like an hour and a half on the train and like sit and think about what you're going to say and then afterwards you get an hour and a half to decompress. Whereas with a virtual show in my bedroom, it's like I'm just in bed and then I roll out, jump on a laptop, do 15 minutes, it goes good or bad and then I come out and I'm like, oh, I'm in my bedroom. Like I don't have any time to decompress. Mm-hmm. It was kind of wasn't as good as normal. You did one show, and I did a wee bit as well that night at the comedy cellar, Susan McCabe. When it was this, it was a fantastic big bank of screens with people's faces all. Yeah, over. I felt like Minority Report, Aye. or something like that. <laughs> I mean, it felt like a, a, a horrific horror film. It was a great. I loved that gig. It was brilliant, but it did feel quite nightmarish. That was the night the police showed up, wasn't it? It was, aye. That was class. People, aye, what, what was that again? So there was two or three folks standing outside having a cigarette. <laughs> me and Susie were smoking outside because we're cool. Aye. And then um, like two police fans showed up. And like 10 police came out and went, excuse me, what's going on in here? And they were like, oh, it's a show. And they were like, oh, used to the band. Like, <laughs> <laughs> what a band? <laughs> And we were like, uh, no, we're doing stand-up. They didn't believe us. And then they walked down, they seen all the green screens and the the, the bank uh, monitor set up. And they were like, oh, this is a show. And because it's part of the, there's some kind of rule during lockdown about like, if you are a broadcaster, you can record stuff. Yeah. So it was legal. Yeah. But someday some rat uh, went to the police. Yeah. I mean, I, I thought it was a kind of singing telegram or something coming in at first. <laughs> And then, no, no, these are proper cops. Yeah. <laughs> they get arrested. The <laughs> bad joke police here for Christopher. Oh, no, don't take me away. <laughs> but but oh, the point of this show is to discuss great jokes and we'll get around to that at some point. Um, but I, I did want to talk about the kind of rustiness of going back on stage to a live audience. Um, a wee while back, I was lucky enough to be at the stand to watch Kevin Bridges doing his first Glasgow show since before the, the pandemic struck. And he was very honest about it. He came on the stage with a, 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 a notebook 
of very, very kind of rough around the edges material that had just been pretty much bouncing around his head. And uh, and he, he admitted that. And he said, look, I'll be back and forth in this notebook throughout the, the show. And he would start a routine and then he'd say, I, I have no idea where this is going. <laughs> <laughs> and then he just stopped. Well, that was my whole thing, right? I had, I had a notebook on, not to say I'm like Kevin Bridges at all, but I had a notebook on stage with me on a wee, a wee stool. And I just look at it. I love it. I love seeing shows like that as well. I like seeing people make stuff in the middle of it. Like some people are like, I only want to see the completed finished product, but I like watching somebody figure stuff out and go, God, that isn't very funny, is it? But then when they watch the tour later on, yeah. and you see something that has made it all the way through the process totally. and it's been fine tuned and tweaked and crafted. I mean, in the, in the, in the uh, build up to Kev's uh, last a big DVD show at the Hydro. I was seeing his work in progress stuff. I've seen it once or twice. And he had this amazing closer that was really way over the line, do you know what I mean? And he would have to end it by going, I might sell that to Frankie actually because I can't say that. I, I, I know exactly the one. And, and I think, I, I know, I, I know, I don't even want to mention it here no. either. But it was amazing. It I, was like, oh my God, people I, are going to love this. And then I, see, I went to the Hydro and seen it and I went, oh, he's not doing that. That's a shame. If you're listening to this and you're desperate to know what it is, then just get in contact with us afterwards. Um, <laughs> But no, I won't tell you because uh, it'll kick. It, it was, kick, it was, I and, and same, I'm only joking. It was, but I, I, I remember thinking, oh, anyway, so nobody knows what this is. No point discussing it anymore. <laughs> Secret jokes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Producer David's looking at me and just going, oh, this is stupid. Um, we'll have to get this legal day anyway before it goes out. <laughs> um, so let, you guys came armed with some jokes. Does anybody want to tell us a joke? I think one of, one of Roscoe's, Roscoe, you've got that classic, uh, if you're doing a gig that isn't going very well. You'll go, oh, you don't like this type of stuff? Do you want to hear something you do like? <laughs> something no very good that I'll just do for you? And then that's your like, as soon as you start telling this joke, I'm like, oh, he's lost him. Man. Oh, I, I think it's a good joke. Yeah, it's a good joke. I, I, I know that it's a, the chess one. Yeah. yeah and and I, you told it to Bridges once as well, didn't you? That's how I get started in comedy. That was, that was it. I woke up with that joke in my head one day and I was like, oh, and then I told my friends. We this were at where some you place. As a plumber, yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, we were at some like place for a night out for my friend's birthday. A fire alarm went off. We all had to go outside. My friend was like, "Oh, here, tell Kevin Bridges your joke." And I was like, "Leave my lord, man!" And he, he got him over. And then Kevin was like, "Right, what is it?" And then I told him it, and he actually laughed like, like kind of, "Oh, yeah. what?" Laugh. And then I was like, "Anytime somebody says, if you're a comedian, somebody says, oh, 'I've got a good, I've got a great joke.'" Yeah, yeah, this, exactly. It's going to be absolutely honking. Knowing that now, I'm like, "Oh, he must have been like dreading it." And then uh, he laughed, walked away. I was like, that was cool. And then he came back like 10 minutes later and went, come here and tell my pals this joke. And I was like, <laughs> I'm getting set up here, man. This is like set up the wee idiot who done this. You know, this is payback. And then I went over and told him it. And his pals were like, well, that was actually, that actually was good, eh? <laughs> and then he told me what to, like, to get in touch uh, with the stand, do Red Raw, stuff like that. And that was it. That's oh, how that's it got brilliant. started. That's really good. Uh, do you have a joke, Roscoe? you want me to do it? You do it. Uh, you you right. brought it up. So here's a classic joke if a gig isn't going very well. Uh, so two chess pieces. No. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is it? Yeah, yeah. Two chess pieces walk into a chess piece only bar and the barman goes, here, close that door. You're going to let a draft in. <laughs> <laughs> I can't believe he liked it. That's, that's I know, I know. It's, 
It's an emergency joke as well. Uh, like <laughs> do you a Napoleon one as well? Oh, I've got, I do have another one. I go, I've got two of these, right, just to show, because if they're not liking the stuff that I do, and I do this stuff, I'm like, oh, listen, I know you'll like this, right? Here's two just to show you that I can do what you want, right? <laughs> yeah, weirdos. And, uh, but that you know, attitude always ruins it, whereas the jokes are actually good. <laughs> I know, but they laugh now. I go, see, I tell you. Now, now you go back to the stories back about junkies falling out of randas and stuff. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> and the other one is uh, I go do you remember famous General Napoleon aye and they're like yeah and I go um, well me and him went for a Nando's the other night right <laughs> some night by the way and I got a full chicken to myself and I took the wishbone out of that chicken and I said to him here pull this bone apart <laughs> uh, knock it out of the park class yeah classic banter oh, I tell you you've raised the bar Really, uh, fantastic. <laughs> one of my, my favourite jokes of all time, I, do, I don't know who it belongs to. By the way, plagiarism is a big part of Laughter Unlocked. I don't know who this, uh, who this one belongs to. It might, I don't know. I'm not, I'm not even going to guess. But it is, uh, I had lunch with a, a chess champion, a chess grandmaster the other day. It took him 40 minutes to pass his salt. <laughs> <laughs> two of your jokes put together, Yeah, pretty much, yeah. Oh, jeez. I think too about people... A lot of folk will talk about stand-up comedy and say a lot of it is observational storytelling mm-hmm. rather than just jokes. And, and when, I, when I was invited to do Red Raw at the stand the very first time, they, they, they emailed me the rules of engagement and they said, don't tell jokes. This I thought was quite funny in itself. And the point being that unless you write jokes, don't tell jokes. Because, uh-huh. because you, you will be telling something that you think no one's heard, but it's pub property, uh-huh. to use that term. And that, then if you can't, come up with five minutes of original material, then why are you bothering us, you know? Yeah, totally. Street jokes and stuff. Aye. They don't tend to be people who do more kind of uh, pubby street jokes. Mm-hmm. Um, but as far as comics or stand-ups that do joke, 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 I, th- I think, you know, like Tim Vine or maybe Milton Jones or something, but mm-hmm. you think when it's stand-ups that people are used to seeing on the telly tend to, this is what happened to me, and just the kind of personal observational stuff and all that. But is that a fair point, you think? I, and I think it's hard to like write kind of pub jokes now as well because <laughs> yeah, everybody's they've, all, they've all been done. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, well, I had to like go for a night out with Napoleon to get a joke. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, it's it's that, that so itself difficult. Is an achievement. And, and if you have the skill to, to arrange that, then you could probably do far more than just comedy. Yeah, you could probably start a kind of series of documentaries interviewing famous figures for the past. Or just Napoleon, like make a <laughs> six, six part <laughs> on. People are like, I'm fed up with this guy, man. <laughs> But it would well be dependent on, on Doris Stokes being available to set it up. I'm just realising. I don't know who that is. Nah, man. sorry. Yeah, yeah, I'm not sure. Doris Stokes. Right, right. Okay. It's the boy's Not everybody in the world is 55 and over. I'm sorry. Doris Stokes, um, she was back in the day, she basically, uh, she was a medium. Somebody said she was oh, a large. Right. Uh, uh, and she basically got contact with the dead. And people could speak to Who's your glutus, um psychic medium? Well, did Mystic Meg contact the dead or was she just like horoscopes? She and was stuff just like horoscopes. That? I yeah. thought she would see when I seen the cover for uh, Pulp Fiction. Uh-huh. On, uh, <laughs> you I remember my mum and dad took the Pulp Fiction CD and I went, Why have you got an album of Mystic Meg? Because <laughs> of the mad black pop. <laughs> Oh, uh, even Paul Fiction's dated now. That's something my mum and dad like. <laughs> I like it as well, but it's a kind of old film now, isn't it? Uh, I love to hate Psychic Sally. 
Man. She's in the newspaper, isn't she? She's, I mean, I'm on her newsletter because <laughs> <laughs> I emailed her once to tell her to shut up. She was a grifter. I don't know if this will make it. Well, Go for it. Past. Oh, I, just, I just emailed her once like, you're an absolute disgrace, a grifter and stuff like that. And then it signed me up to the mailing list and I still get them. <laughs> Because maybe it's just the very fact he emailed her that, that that got you on the mailing list. Aye, possibly that'll be it. Aye, that's out of range. Oh, she just she just knew I was coming, man. Signed me up. <laughs> do you have any uh, Roscoe? Do you have any uh, one-liner people that you like? Uh, well, one-liner stuff isn't isn't exactly my kind of bag, man. No, but I like styles of comedy that I don't do more than I like people who do what I do. Yeah, I mean, like in terms of stuff that I like. Oh, right. yeah, I mean, oh, you don't like it? Well, it's all right, but I'm, it's it's not the stuff that gets me like out my seat, going, "Yes, come on!" If I hear like a, a good one later, I'm like, "Ah." Have you ever seen well Milton Jones' life? Uh, gigged with Milton Jones' life. Oh man, that's he's my favorite comedian. Yeah, yeah. I gigged, I gigged him. But do you know how when he does it, people are like genuinely like writhing in their seats. Like this is like magic. Yeah, but I mean, like it's it's also like sometimes one doesn't land, and you're like, oh, the audience really didn't like because I I didn't see him do like a big huge gig. Mm-hmm. I was like just in a little pub in London with him. You know what I mean? Yeah, I just seen him in a bar, and uh, and he was like just firing off new stuff. Yeah. So like the ones that don't land, the audience are like. Oh, <laughs> and you can hear the disappointment, man. So like, yes, the last two were great, man. They're like, oh, for God's sake. And I'm like, it's such a... <laughs> if I'm at a party or something and somebody says, tell a funny joke, tell a joke you've heard, it's always a Milton Jones one because, I've, I mean, I think he tells something like 250 a gig. Yeah. And he doesn't swear either, which is no, he's amazing. A, he's a yeah, right very Christian guy. He's dead there, family friendly. And I respect that, man. My favourite Milton Jones joke. In, in fact, we're getting up. This is about the fourth of the show. We're going to be trying to do about 15 jokes through an episode. And this is, we're, we're, we're on track. Is, um, he tells one about how he's, when his late grandfather fell ill, the family smeared him from head to toe in goose fat. He went downhill pretty fast after that. <laughs> <laughs> That's one of the ones the audience really enjoyed, man. Yeah. That's one of the- <laughs> you, I mean, people might not have heard of this guy because he doesn't do stand-up anymore and he was only going for like three, four years but he started when we started. He's a one-liner guy. I thought Tony Sloan was brilliant at doing one-liners. Yeah, he really was, man. I liked his one. He had this great joke uh, where he was like, oh, get this job. I hate it. I'm working in a clock factory and every day I put the same number on the clock after clock after clock after clock. It's 11. That's really good, man. That's really, really good. I just, I just think he's he's brilliant, but he doesn't do it. It's just this. I think it's, it's like even with comedians who didn't like make it or keep doing it, they've still got like amazing jokes. I just kind of get my head like uh, like Martin Byrne. He's a one liner guy in Scotland as well. I think he's class. Actually, Jim Jim Park. Remember Jim Park? Oh yeah, he was good. He had a really good one about uh, how. He was uh, he was talking about his his he always wanted to do his dream job, which was to go into the Coca Cola factory and like measure cans. <laughs> it's like oh, but you know what? One day I just had to admit to self, myself, come on, Jim, you're just fantasizing. <laughs> <laughs> the other one, man. Like now I'm thinking the short jokes that I love, man. Yeah. Uh, Trevor Trevor Crook, man, this Australian guy. And he was, was he talk- the French this year? No, no. I was Trevor something else, wasn't it? Yeah, Trevor Locke. Was thinking of. Now, Trevor Crook, um, and he's like, oh, because I, I done a, I done the stand weekend with him, one of my first stand weekends, and I was doing the wee, the wee spot, 
And then the Thursday night, he told it, it was like half full room, he told this joke and it made me like, like <laughs> lean over laughing. He was like, oh, um, you know, I saw this story on the news the other day about a, a bloke that could run over by a car transporter. <laughs> and I thought to myself, wow, you don't get much more run over than that. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that's class, man. Oh, it cut me in half. Interesting that doing doing my research for this, I was looking at the joke, which was deemed to be the best of the fringe, for example, over the years. And one name that keeps popping up quite regularly is Tim Vine. And, you know, one that I've got in front of me is um, I went to a Pretenders gig. It was a tribute act. (laughs) I think it's just funny the idea of going to a Pretenders gig. (laughs) (laughs) You really love tattooed love boys that much? You want to go see your life? (laughs) The fact that I don't know anything about the Pretenders, man, you've just said you, you love tattooed love boys that much. I'm like, I don't know what's going on, but I might check them out. Uh, out of context, that does seem like quite a homophobic comment, but really, uh, it's... Uh... Right, no, I just thought it sounded cool. Oh, okay. He's got a song called Tattooed Love Boys. Tattooed Love Boys. It's like that. Is that how it goes? <laughs> yeah. Great. There's certain kind of shows as well that I discovered in my very kind of brief time mixing with, with, with stand-ups. There's certain shows people avoid like the plague. And I'm thinking like Christmas nights out and all that stuff. Is, is that true? Is that just a, an absolute horror story often? Aye, but you get paid a wee bit better. Or there's more work. They'll go, oh, we've got loads of people who want to go to Christmas night out. And, you know, you need to pay the bills. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so mm-hmm. you need to do them. What, what, what are the pitfalls? Is it just like I had that folk, guy, folk are more uh, drunk than normal? Aye, people are steaming. I had that guy in Aberdeen. I was doing a Christmas show up there about six years ago. So it's like, what, 23 or something? 22, 23. And uh, this guy kept shouting out while I was on stage and he had like a big Christmas jumper on. And I was like, I wasn't very good at the time. I was like, oh, shut up, you mad guy with a rubbish jumper. Pure great heckle put down. And then afterwards, um, <clears throat> I was like, it was in the blue lamp, which had that revolving door. Remember that? So yeah. you could only leave at a certain speed. And I was like right up to the door, like trying to get out to go home. And uh, this guy comes up behind me and he pushes me into the revolving door and I fell and then he stood on me and then like <laughs> kept going. So that's what I don't like about Christmas gigs is that I get attacked by men. And was was he wearing his jumper when he did this? Yeah, which was more embarrassing. I've never been beat up by somebody wearing a Christmas jumper before. It's really embarrassing. Wow. Yeah. My version of hating those gigs is also in Aberdeen. <laughs> it almost as if it's something about that gig. It's almost um, as if people who work in oil are terrible. That's it. But Aberdeen, it's just like, it's oil workers who are there for a night out and not there for comedy. And it feels like sometimes you're walking into their night out and going, everybody stop and listen to me. And nobody wants to. I know you're all on cocaine, but uh, could you listen to me tell some funny stories for a couple of minutes? And they're like, no. (laughs) The last time I was there, I was dying so bad, man. And they were chanting, they they were chanting something at me. uh, And I can't even say what it was. Uh, It was to do with being a a kind of knockoff version of Frankie Boyle. And I'm like, I'm, what, because I'm from Glasgow? And, uh, You're and just it, a shite, Frankie boy. Oh. Exactly, that's what they were chatting at me. <laughs> a lot of folk aspire to that. I know, and I was just like, oh my God, I hate it here, man. And then at one point, right, I, at the end, I was like, right, listen, this didn't work tonight, right? <laughs> I'm not saying it's yous or me, just sometimes things happen and things don't click, you know what I mean? And I was, and people were like, you know what, at least he's being honest. And one guy stood up and went, you know what, mate? You tried your best. (laughs) (laughs) 
he got a round of applause for that and I was so angry. I was like, well, seeing as you've said that, I'm going to do another five minutes and they started booing me and I'd done another five minutes to the back wall, man. That's when you bring out the Napoleon joke, man. That, <laughs> trust me, I'd already brought that out like three minutes in, man. <laughs> it's your go-to. Yeah. Uh, but I suppose that's, there is a difference between people wanting a night out and being informed, oh, by the way, there's going to be a comedian. Or, or people specifically seeking out a comedian to go and see. Well, so the, issue with, the issue with a big party like that is like a group of 18 people and one of them said to two of them, would you think about stand-up for the night out? And the other two went, yeah, okay. And then there's another 14 people who are like, why are we here? This is terrible. I've got no interest in these people. I don't like comedy. I don't even like these people. I want to ruin it. <laughs> so it's just some kind of break in the dreadful monotony of my life. I think, see, if you are doing, like, shorter jokes, those gigs might be a little bit easier because you can just rattle through them, man, and you'll get enough, like, pockets but to, I like, think bring when you do shorter inside. jokes, you're dehumanising yourself, so they don't even see a person, they just see a joke machine on the stage, whereas if I go up and talk about my girlfriend or something, like, oh, I've got a girlfriend, like, this is kind of reliable, whereas if you're just going, oh, I make clocks for a living, then it's a living. I mean, I guess so, but, I mean, <laughs> if, you're, if you're doing very, like, uh personal stuff and all that then maybe people can get on board with it but uh-huh. if you like i mean imagine like because like harry hill's a uh, mashed potato joke where oh, he's let's see like, that going oh man is uh i can't remember it verbatim but i can give you the gist of it he's talking about how uh when he was younger how many siblings used to love mashed potato but his mum would only give them one spoon of mashed potato each and he's like, and we just, you know, we loved that mashed potato so much and we just wanted more. But she would always say, you'll only get one spoon of mashed potato. That's enough for you. And then what they done was they devised a plan where they would like sneak down each night and get a slightly bigger spoon so they would so she wouldn't notice it. And they'd replace it with a slightly bigger spoon. And then they'd go down the next night, one spoon of mashed potato and be like, that's still not enough. And then they'd go down and it would happen for like like nights on a row and they'd sneak down and replace the spoon with a slightly bigger spoon. And then it got to the, the point where the spoon was the size of a ladle, you know, and it should be, you only get one spoon of mashed potato. And then they realised like, I it was a bit too much, you know, we couldn't eat all our mashed potato. So we started sneaking down each night and replacing it with a slightly smaller spoon. <laughs> and it goes on and on. It goes, and in the end, mother knows best. You know, <laughs> and I love that, but that's not going to fly to a bunch of oil workers in Aberdeen, is it? They're not going to have the time yeah. to yeah. build that. Chris, have you got, have you got a kind of go-to if if, a, if you, you sense that a gig's not going as well as you, you hoped it might? Have you, got, have you got a banker? I wish. I wish I had bankers. I just keep, I just go... I just think about the money. <laughs> I just close my eyes and go, oh, I could buy like a Nintendo Switch game or, you know, a really nice dinner or something. And then I just think about the nice dinner and I start smiling and then let's get through the next 15 minutes. <laughs> I knew you were going to see Nintendo Switch there as well. It's a I, great console. I, I just, I, I thought when you think about money and stuff you could buy, I was like, it's got to be a Nintendo Switch. Game well, I could get a wooden train or a little hat with a propeller on top. <laughs> Both very cool. Yeah. I thought Doris Stokes would be listening to this, wondering what, what they're talking about. <laughs> She's a psychic, she gets it, man. Have you got a, have you got a joke for us? Try to think. Do you have any, uh, this, is, this is like quite a well, fa- famously... S- speaking of Frankie Boyle or on... Oh yeah, you're just uh, a bad person, haven't you? I know, but I loved his lady done, I don't know, if it, was it in a show or was it just a live one? I think he did a couple of times actually. I think one. he did do it. It was just about... Um, 
like uh, Israel. So I don't know if this will like, make it make it through, but he was just talking about how like Krav Maga, uh, is that how you say it? Krav Maga? Nailed it. Krav Maga was like uh, a martial art that teaches you 57 ways to kick an old Palestinian lady in the back. And it's a banger, but I feel like you've missed out a key bit of information, which is that is what the Israeli Defence Force use as the thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But otherwise, that, it just sounds like you think. I mean, I don't want to get anywhere, it sounds like you think. Well, I mean, <laughs> listen, all I'm saying is, right, because I'm like one eighth Jewish or something like that. Yeah, you can I, one eighth get away I with it. I, I don't want to put the Israeli Defence Force on blast. No, I'm kidding. No, I'm put them on blast. That'll never make it through. Try to get through this series without kind of any major Israel-Palestine issues. Yeah, without yeah. starting World War Three because Roscoe <laughs> thinks Frankie Boyle's got a great one-liner about it. It's really funny, though. Do you have, do, does your, uh, does your mum have a favourite joke? Um, <laughs> I'm sure we were talking about this once. Uh-huh, yeah, I can't remember it right now. I know, I know your mum's favourite joke yeah. is great. My mum's favourite joke is an absolute banger. It's, uh, I don't know how it will come across on uh, the podcast, but I'll just explain. Uh, what is it? It's, uh, did you hear that? Uh, I was in a pub the other night and the, the, the bar guy said to me, he was like, uh, oh, we had to kick a lobster out here the other night. And I'm like, what happened? And he was like, oh, he was gaining at that. And then you can't see it because it's a podcast, but I'm doing that thing you do with your hand when somebody's gaining at that, like the way you kind of duck face mm. opening up. Yeah. And I just like that because that's what a lobster's hand looks like. <laughs> you really need to see the hand for that joke to work. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. really what. But I love the idea that either the lobster was getting kicked out because he was like just talking too much about all kinds of stuff or the well, fact he was that just being his natural self yeah and he was, he was you should celebrate yourself every day but some days you should celebrate with jewelry whether you want to commemorate an unforgettable moment or just bring some added sparkle to your collection blue nile can offer you expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price Go to BlueNile.com today and experience the ease and convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. <laughs> I don't know, like trying to pick up a paint, but it didn't work. I'd be, I'd be, I'd be picking up loads of paints at the same time, that'd be the problem. Oh no, hang on a minute. No, I'd be an octopus with uh, loads of Sorry, I'm, I'm getting my, sorry for my sea life confused. I mean, lo- lobsters have got quite a few legs as well underneath. But you can pick up a paint with one of the wee little things. Depends what size of paint we're talking here. Well, it paint's have to be a paint. Yeah, a metric. A measure, it's a measurement, yeah. it, so it's not metric, it's the other thing. Imperial yeah. measurement, so I doubt it could happen. Yeah. Although you get those big Japanese spider crabs. They're huge. Yeah, but they're not lobsters, are they? Yeah. I, I said to my mom next time I see her, I'll yeah, go, try and so work through the <laughs> I was in a bar the other day and I had a Japanese giant spider crab to me. He got kicked out of the bar. He was gaining at that with large pincers. So you speak to like um uh like visual jokes that don't work on podcasts. Let's do it. Have you ever seen uh, Ross Noble's like well I guess like in terms of like if you're trying to like find a Ross Noble joke, a lot of it's just like train of thought. 
skillfully done, probably knows where he's going with it, but it feels like you can't like pick a bit out of it. But you ever seen the, the Ross Noble's meat flaps bit? I don't think so I have. He, he done that on Live at the Apollo and it's very, very good. And I love when someone takes, like, that, that's my, my favourite style of joke. When someone takes, like, one idea, runs with it, almost, like, runs it in at the ground, but then keeps going and it comes back up the other end. But the beautiful thing about this is he doesn't run it into the ground. It never, it's it never dips. It just, like, it just keeps rising. <laughs> and you're like, but this is, this it's the same thing for 10 minutes and he's just like caught, just adding wee bits on it and then you know it, it does as a concept it doesn't make sense but when he's saying it it makes perfect sense you can go yeah he's absolutely right about that it's about um, it's about he starts off just talking about like gluing bits of meat to your face and uh, it is like, I don't know why you would do that, perhaps to like kind of ward off like an amorous vegan or something like that, right? And this was a long time ago, man. Like people weren't doing people vegan stuff back then, back then, man. So he was like, you know, right at the front of the queue, man, <laughs> talking about that. And he's like, and then, and then, and what you could do is like, you know, you, you kind of, if you glue it in the right bit, like at the top, you can kind of make like a hinge. For the listener, you know? Roscoe's putting his hand on his face. To <laughs> yeah. His hand so he's, a piece of ham. he's got his hand. It, this is this is like basically the start of like a 10 minute bit. He puts his hand over his eyes and starts like kind of treating that like a, like a piece of meat. Yeah, right? it's like a fringe. And then he goes through essentially the best way to glue a piece of meat to your face to make it like ergonomical. And he starts, he's like, you could glue the meat long ways and stuff, you could hold it up, and then it would, like, kind of, the best thing about gluing it long ways is that when you hold it up and let it go, it would just gently flap down back over your face, you know. You could do that, wipe the sweat from your brow, <laughs> let it fall back down. He's like, or you could get a piece of string, attach it to the top of this bit of meat, put it down your back, and then he starts, like, doing <laughs> this amazing physical comedy about, like, pulling his arm down, and then the meat flaps going up, and everyone's like, yeah, that is the best way to do it. And he's like, or you could, like, attach a wee, a winch to your your leg there and like turn it and up and stuff like that and oh it's absolutely you need to see it man it's brilliant you could have used that in Aberdeen that night Christmas night out I could have, but you know that would have been plagiarism. <laughs> I wish I did have like uh, just a flap that could go down over my face and just pretend I'm not there at a gig. Yeah, that'd be amazing. A mask. You used to do comedy with your face painted like a skeleton. Did you think that was easier to kind of pretend you weren't you? It was less embarrassing. Or was it like, oh no, I'm painting my face like a skeleton and now I'm also having a bad time? Uh, the bad time you're few and far between the, the Canada was really bad. Oh uh, man, Roscoe done a tour of Celtic and Rangers clubs in Canada. Oh no. For all oh, people. Oh yeah. Well, I'm, I'm saying oh no because I'm, I'm assuming, well, they aren't all in the same. <laughs> the two sets of fans in the same club at the same time so that's a bit yeah. they don't care about that over there like they huh. are just like man I don't know any Scottish people so I don't care if they're Catholic or Protestant they, they all go to each other's clubs and oh, stuff cool. but they're all I mean they're all quite old I had oh, a good time with them but you were dressed like a skeleton when you did it they're very very old yeah um, <laughs> the first gig that I done man uh, I, I went up dressed as a skeleton and they're they're kind of like we want to hear jokes that we know from the old country, you know, and then here's me <laughs> brought over there to their wee club, face painted like a skeleton, telling them like avant garde, yeah. uh, spooky stories that are like, uh, like anti comedy <laughs> style. And they're just like, we don't want this, son. And I just talked yeah. to silence for ages. And then I walked out of that place, I walked out of that club in a giant car park in Canada and looked at the sky and was like, I can't even go home right now. Right? <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. 
Yeah. But the rest of the gigs were great. I done a Rangers club over there. I, that was the year after Roscoe. There's a guy who takes you out. And I was over there and we went to this Rangers club. And it was just because all the guys moved over there in like the 70s. Um, like numbers have went down year after year. Like in terms of attendance. Because mm. numbers have went down in terms of people who are still alive. <laughs> and um, we went in this Rangers <laughs> club in Toronto. And... Um, like only like six people had showed up and there was no stage and no lights and stuff. And I was like, well, there's no way this is going to hit. So I, this old guy with no teeth was like buying me booze. So I had like uh, three pints and then like two shots of Sambuca. And I'm a lightweight because I'm a wee guy. And then they went, right, let's go ahead with the kick. And I was like, wait, what? I'm steaming. There's five people here and there's no stage, there's no lights, there's no microphones. I just had to steamingly do 20 minutes of stand up to a table full of... You know, 70-year-old Canadian sectarian people. It was class. <laughs> and then I waited outside because I was, I can't handle my drink. They'll have family who are Canadians and they won't, won't they don't care about the old country. So they won't come <laughs> along to, you know, the kind of grandkids. Yeah, yeah you kind of got that. Like, oh, like, oh, this is my grandson. Uh, this is my grandson, Tony. He works in property over here in Ontario. And then it's just a pure handsome 20-year-old guy who's like a North American man. And he's like... <laughs> He was a nice guy. There was one dude there who was like a young guy and uh, he was like trying to be like, no, I love this. And I was like, why, man? God, you're like I so this. far away from it, yeah. man. You, do, you Honestly, you don't need to pretend, man. You don't need to be involved in it. He, I like the, uh, I like the skeleton stuff, kid. <laughs> Is he from like Boston or something? Yeah. New, New York? He's from New York, that guy. It's very close, actually. It's close, close actually. Like do you guys still get your mates texting you all the time? Like, I've got a couple of WhatsApp groups. It's just constant. Just, you know, obviously ones that are just doing the rounds and all mm-hmm. that. Or do you find because your comedians folk think I'm not going to bother sending it to them because I'll just piss them off? I call my mates outside comedy. don't even bother texting me anymore, man. <laughs> <laughs> it's really sad. just because, you know, when they're out, I'm working and vice versa. And mm. it's like, oh, man, you know, we still, we, we're still pals, but it's not like, when are we going to catch up? Yeah, like, because our job is, like, hanging out. Well, not hanging out, our job is pretty much exclusively Friday, Saturday at night time, and that's when everybody else hangs out, so you don't see people as much. Yeah. Quite, quite a maudlin note to the, the show. Yeah, and if I am <laughs> Neither of us have any friends, so that's why we hang out with each other. If I get to hang out with them, you know, something's gone wrong, you know? Yeah, your careers. I've, I've, yeah, I've, I've messed up somewhere. Yeah. Uh... Do you know what I was saying about that? Uh, I was saying about that Anthony Jezelnik joke. I love him. I've got one of his as well. What uh, one is it? What one you got? The, the motorbike. Oh, right. I've got the girlfriend one. I think it's very quick. I go for it. It's uh, my girlfriend makes me want to be a better person so I can get a better girlfriend. <laughs> I think that's so well written, man. Like, that, that's not my... I can't write like that, but it's so quick and precise. And it's like, here you go, left turn. Yeah, he's really good at that. He's got this good one where he's like... Um, I decided to get a, a motorbike, saved up money, I'm going to get a motorbike, I'm going to drive it about. And I went to my mum, I'm going to start riding a motorbike. I mean, he he's already finished the joke by now, but I'm trying to like half remember it. <laughs> <laughs> he's like, uh, I went to my mum, I told her I'm going to start riding a motorbike and she went, Anthony, you know for a fact, my brother died in a motorcycle accident. You can just use his. <laughs> it's good one I get sent recently again I don't know the author you guys might know if this belongs to anybody but it's just uh, I piss myself laughing and it is a wee bit of a certificate but it's a (laughs) guy goes for a job interview 
and he's asked if he's got any weaknesses. And he says, well, sometimes I think I'm a bit too honest. And the potential employer says, well, I don't think honesty is a, a negative. I don't give a fuck what you think. <laughs> <laughs> the wonderful winter sale is now on at Harry Corey. Harry Corey. Prices are falling in every department. Duvet sets from only £7.50, pillows from only £6 and lined eyelet curtains from just £12.50. The Harry Corrie Winter Sale now on. Call in store or online at harrycorrie.com while these wonderful offers last. Harry Corrie, the curtain bedding specialists. So, listen, I've got a big following in Denmark. Great, man. Yes. Broke into the top 100 in Denmark. I noticed. I don't know why. Must because I've got a mate there. Um, so I looked, <laughs> they love pastries. They love podcasts. Do they like pastries? Oh yeah. Well, yeah, they do. And I, and I say that because they might not know much about your your stories. So I know you're looking at me as well. Say, how dare you? No, I'm and, just like, yeah. I never thought they would uh, be unfamiliar with the the, the tail. <laughs> The back, the Chris MacArthur Boyd backstory. Break out of that Danish market, man. It sounds like a good film. That Chris, you were named one of the fifty funniest people in Scotland. Sixty. Are you sure? I thought it was 50. top sixty. I was number fifty-nine between Richard Gedd and Lubna Kerr. Wow. And when was that? That was about two, or three years ago. Yeah, three years ago, I think. Now. Right. How long had you been doing stand-up when that happened? Seven years. How long had you had a PR for as well? How dare you assume? <laughs> how dare you assume that I got that list of the top sixty funniest people alive, which contains several dead people? How dare you <laughs> say that list, which included people who have never done stand up? How dare you say that list is anything but sacrosanct in the Scottish comedy community? I am the fifty ninth funniest Scottish person of all time. You're just raging because you weren't on the list. You rat. Well, you're right. Yeah. Are there any people, any kind of names that we would know who didn't get on that? Yeah, what? loads. I'm not going to fucking... <laughs> Listen, you're allowed, you're, allowed to, you're allowed to swear. Just, I mean, you should have heard that the week we had uh, with uh, Darren Connell and Stephen Buchanan. It was just littered with F-bombs. Oh, really? Uh, we, we stopped short I'm of the C-bombs. I'm a professional, yeah. so. Um, so... So, yeah, no, seriously, so 59th, did you get a T-shirt made or anything? Or how did you celebrate it? <laughs> Did I celebrate it? I went, oh, that'll look good enough. Yeah. French poster. Uh, I don't know, yeah, number 59, do you know what I mean? So, out of 60. So, obviously, it was a top 100, and they couldn't come up with 100 people. <laughs> and they went, oh, do 60, and then he'll be 59. And then Richard Gidd, who was number 60, I mean, he's much more successful than me, but a lot of his shows are quite heavy mm-hmm. routines about being sexually assaulted and stuff. So, to be said that, I'm quite a good No spoilers, please. <laughs> <laughs> uh, really good shows. Um, so I just knew that it was absolute nonsense. Did they get in touch with you in advance to say, by the way, just to let you know? No. No. You just pick up the paper one day and there it was. <laughs> the tsunami of uh, attention came my way, you know, and I was like, <laughs> I just knew it was absolute nonsense. Do you know I mean? Because you look at the list and you look at some of the people on it and you go, right. Are you both doing stuff you know during the Glasgow Comedy Festival and obviously you'll be building towards the fringe as well wait, wait, oh, when, when do you start should, we should probably talk about that yeah go for it uh, I, I'm doing a gig at the King's Theatre that was supposed to be something Janie Godley was doing but she's been diagnosed with cancer um, so uh, instead our daughter Ashley is hosting a gig at the King's 
and just getting people on to kind of anchor a charity gig to raise money for uh, something like that. Cool. So that's an answer you can use because uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm doing that as well. Are you? Yeah, yeah, I'm doing it. What date is that? See the eighteenth to the nineteenth. I think I'm on a. I said I would do the five o'clock one. Did you mm-hmm. say that as well? Yeah, I'm doing the early show as well. We might be doing a show together, but probably not. What you probably will know more about is what your fringe plans are, or is that still too early for that? Well, I I got offered a couple of times, like Monkey Barrel, but they're a little bit too late. I mean, if I wasn't streaming every night like I have been doing, which has been incredible and uh yeah if I, I mean it would mean basically just going right everything changes with that for a month so th- those were a little bit too late for me um so we'll see what happens uh, we're working i'm working on it would you would you use the fringe to kind of you know as a kind of peak for for a set would you start you know would you start a kind of new set with the fringe or would you finish that set with the fringe Depends what you want to do with the fringe. Do you know what I mean? Like a lot of people go into the fringe and they don't know what they want from it, and then they're gonna have a bad time because they're like, "Oh, I want to drink every night, meet loads of new people, work on my set, show people how good I am, uh, get good reviews, build a fan base." And it's like, just pick one and focus <laughs> on that, and Aye. then you might have a good time if you complete that. Yeah. So last year I went to the fringe, done a half hour with Roscoe for a week and then I done two and a half weeks of an hour work in progress this year I'm taking that show that was a work in progress I'm going to keep working on that just done it in Leicester for two nights there and bang out a good solid fringe hour mm-hmm. but I have had years where I was like I'm going to get drunk for a month and that's fun and I've had years where I'm like I want to get good reviews and that was fun as well yeah. but this is you just need to pick what you want out of it yeah and focus on that uh-huh. are we allowed to use last year's half hour to just bring it in this year what because <laughs> well, I was just saying, oh, I'm gonna need to make a. Do you think that was your fringe hour? Yeah, the half hour you done for half a week. No, but I just thought, like, oh, maybe just do something new. And I was like, well, what have I got? See, I'm a professional, so I, I craft an hour over the course of several years and then present it as a completed uh, piece. Well, I'm an artist, and I like to constantly create new things, and that is the issue here. He's Salvador Dali. I'm more like that guy who painted the farmers with the, the pitchfork. You're <laughs> Salvador Dafty. Yes! <laughs> <laughs> you, you sound like uh, you sound like streaming has given you an awful lot to think about, you know, the, and, and how successful it's been as well. So yeah, The stand-up I mean, has taken... Uh, you said at the beginning the stand-up's taking a, a back seat, but... So a wee bit, yeah. I mean, um, it's one of the th- it's a thing to think about now when I'm accepting gigs. I'm like, well, will I be able to like do this nightly stream? Yeah. Uh, I, I'm in the top zero point zero zero one percent of streamers worldwide now on Twitch. There was a huge scandal with Twitch where everybody's huge uh, financials got leaked. And uh, I remember that. Top, I remember reading that story. Yeah, <laughs> yeah the top a thousand people in Roscoe was like, "Ha ha, look at these dafties!" And then he scrolled right down to the bottom and was like, "Oh, I'm <laughs> yeah." People came. Out, I, I was like, I was like ready to talk about it. And I was like, "All oh, right, yeah." I mean, uh, cool. And then people came in and were like, "Mister nine nine three six And I was like, "I'm in it." Wow! Oh my so god! That was a kind of yeah. How do how do you react to that? It just shows you how, how many people are streaming to zero people and making zero money if you're I, on the top yeah. of it. <laughs> because it was like from like a year before I started as well, those numbers. And yeah. I'm like, I've crept in without with people having like a year's head start on me. Yeah. That is insane. But that's pretty good. I, I remember reading those headlines because I think they made a few papers. And I mean, obviously I'm not going to mention figures, but 
Limmy was obviously right up there, and I think it was kind of eye-watering. And, you, you know, it made me think that a lot of people who maybe didn't do much of that getting into the, the pandemic stumbled across this whole new world that was really, really good for them. It's so great. they were winners. Yeah. In this horrible story of a pandemic, but, you know. I was so happy about it. I was like, I, I can't, you know, I'll take this as a badge of honour. No, you would never, what I mean is, what I was getting in my very clumsy way, had the pandemic not happened, people just carried on doing gigs, what, four or five nights a week, you maybe wouldn't have. Is it, yeah, oh, I probably wouldn't uh, have started it. I wouldn't have uh, thought, right, I need to, I need to do something. Because I had like, uh, I mean, I got pretty lucky that I just came back from doing Australia. So I had uh, some capital behind me and I thought right well if I'm going to do this I need to do it right yeah. um, and I, I'd done a, a little bit uh, and I tried it on like uh, some inferior equipment and then I was like no 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 if you want to do the things you're thinking about you need to like like look into this buy the right stuff and things like that so I spent like two grand on equipment to kind of really mm. kick it into gear and uh, it worked because I think people are well it looks good and yeah. he's having a good time so let's just like watch there's nothing else to do for all the for all the kind of old ladies like myself, how how did they how did they go about um, viewing your content? Uh, you can find me on uh, twitch.tv slash Roscoe, which is uh, great. You know, I managed to they gave me that name after I became a Twitch partner. And I said, <laughs> "Hey, can I have this name? Because no one's used. I mean, it's an old dead account. Can I have it?" They went, "Yes." Did you say Twitch partner or Twitch comma partner, like a cowboy? Twitch partner. <laughs> <laughs> You're not doing as much, Chris. You said you could. I did it for a while, man. I got too uh, emotionally invested in people. We remember we got followed by a wee guy called Scoosh. Yeah, gave us both a uh, gave. No, I'm not putting Scoosh on blast here at all. He's a lovely wee guy, but he gave us both our first fiver on the platform. As soon as you earn, you need to do it a certain amount of time and have a certain amount of viewers. Very small amount, uh, both figures, right? But it takes a couple of days or weeks to get there. And oh, then, I remember uh, those days. Yeah, you know, man. He was gigging it. He was, he was streaming to three people and they were all Brazilian, man. They were just talking Portuguese at him. Yeah. He was calling him an arsehole in Portuguese. <laughs> they said I looked like some Brazilian streamer or something like that. <laughs> Brazilian <laughs> politician. <laughs> Probably a guy. Francao Boilio, maybe. Maybe, yeah. yeah. What's what you just a shit Frankie Boyle in Portuguese? <laughs> they knew. And then... Uh, and then Scoosh, gave us both a first fiver, but I, I, I slagged them off kind of by accident. I was like, oh, I don't like the people who play video games and they just want all the achievements. Do you know what I mean? Like, I just play games to have a good time. And he was like, I do that. I was like, what? And he's like, look. And he showed me, he's got a mad website about how many achievements he gets. And I was like, oh, God. So I offended him. And then he, he just stopped showing up. And people broke my heart, man. I was like, I was a wee, a wee guy in the, <laughs> out there who gave me my first fiver. Now he doesn't want to watch me anymore. Oh. See, with stand-up, you can go out to like, what, like 200 people, make them all laugh. They're like, this is great, this is great. And then you walk out, you never need to think about them again. You never need to see them again. It's like so impersonal sort of but you're being very personal by talking about you know quite yeah. sensitive things about yourself but yeah. see building up relationships with people and uh, uh, building up a fan base is overrated man terrible not building up a fan base but you need to speak and listen until and read the words of people who are watching you and I, I, don't, I don't like that until you get to the stage where you've got hundreds and hundreds of thousands of followers and then it could you know these people no, do but become anonymous so personal yeah that is, isn't it like stand up at all? Yeah. Like somebody, like a big, somebody who's playing the King's Theatre or something to like a thousand people, they never really need to talk to the people 
face to face whereas I don't like it if yeah. they did though that'd be, that'd be great that'd be really nice but for you it's the roar of the crowd and the smell of the grease paint Chris I'm the... all about the live experience yes. I'm all about the live experience Penn and Teller done that they came out at the end of the show spoke to everyone that wanted to speak to them <laughs> <laughs> Penn and Teller I've... should be magic tricks upside down and espousing libertarian uh, politics you think they just do like magic tricks upside down all the time they did once in the 80s and the 90s right I've uh, I've written a wee note down at myself here because we were talking about Raymond Mearns and Frankie Boyle and there's a story that includes both of them and I think it's because Frankie Boyle once described his favourite ever put down or heckle came at uh, Raymond Mearns show I don't know if you remember if you remember hearing about this one but it was like a, a gig in Edinburgh that wasn't going very well at all and it was just two or three people in it and uh at the end, this, this old guy stood up and looked around and he said, I remember when there was a pool table in here. <laughs> 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 and then walked out. Yeah, man. <laughs> They're both so good. What, that old guy? Still, <laughs> <laughs> like that old guy's I'm talking about the old guy in the pool table. Yeah, they're both so yeah. good. Legends. I mean, comedy. playing pool's great. You ever just like had a good time just shooting some pool? We used to go play pool together before. Yeah, we... and then Perth. Yeah, and then Glasgow as well. And Glasgow, be but, pool fan. But, but Perth was great, man. Chris, where can people see your content? Uh, I've got a podcast called The Enjoying Album with uh, Liam Withnail. Mm-hmm. We listen to the top 500 albums all the time and talk nonsense about them. And then they can come see me at the Fringe. I'll be doing Monkey Barrel, probably. And just stick your name into social media and they'll find the various directions. You can follow me on Twitter at MacArthur Boyd or you can follow me on Instagram at MacArthur.Boyd because my dad took MacArthur Boyd <laughs> for his hairdressing business. So if you want to see some top tier blow dries, maybe follow him as well. What about TikTok? You on that TikTok, bro? I'm not on TikTok yet. You need to go on TikTok, man. It's just loads of girls in pants. It's not. It's bald guys doing baby voices and turning you on. Well, that's your thing. I like your advice, though, because, again, without repeating myself every week about how I'm, my own wee story and I'm trying to do a wee bit at Edinburgh this year, mm-hmm. if, I'm, if, I'm, if I can do Where five minutes, are you doing? I don't know yet. I've no, listen, it's... What's your dream? What's the dream gig, huh? I, we see this idea of doing five with Raymond and Gary Little in 2020, which I was also, and the posters were made and all that, I was all set to do it. Mm-hmm. I've played that out in my head so many times. I've just thought, you know, and the pandemic robbed me of that dream, you know. But and the beehive. And the beehive, that's what it was, mm-hmm. I. That's what but, I meant. Um, God, man. Remember we used to go see Raymond? Were you there with me at the beehive? We'd go see Raymond at the grass market. He'd just be outside the pub. Going, I want to see Raymond. Come in and see a big trap and gunk, you know. And then people would come in and they'd rip them apart for an hour and they'd do all these. You could go see him three days in a row yeah. and they'd do the same material. Yeah, yeah no, it, absolutely. You know, it was, yeah. it was absolutely it was incredible what he does. And Gary Little shows in there as well. I mean, Gary Little's a powerhouse, man. Yeah, completely. But the two of them are going to work me really hard. I wouldn't want to follow them, man. Yeah. 20 minutes for one of them 20 minutes for another one and then your five minutes no, that sounds five, like a nightmare I, I think my five minutes <laughs> but I think well, that, that, that would be part of the whole story though you know and let's see the next season of Laughter Unlocked I'm just looking at the producer he's like totally fed up listening to all this nonsense <laughs> he's like if you're doing a second season you're not fucking doing it in here um, I would do a wee five minute kind of <laughs> I, I, I suppose the term is meant to be warm up but what's the opposite of warm up I'd leave the, lead the audience leave the audience freezing cold um, anyway, so the real, I was going on to say the advice you were saying about don't try and do everything in your first fringe experience. Mm-hmm. Pick something. 
I mean five minutes Pick That was horse. my first fringe Was just going through And doing five minutes With Graham Mackey And a bunch of open spots When I just started And then I got knocked out that night At the Hive uh, Outside that guy Knocked out As in Yeah a guy jabbed me in the face And uh, You've had You've not your troubles to seek What? It, yeah there's two Two assaults at seven. <laughs> <laughs> Roscoe know this Because we done a festival Up in Inverness And this guy tried He's to a very assaultable me. guy man. I love winding people up Right <laughs> Do, do you think it's because Do you think people see you And think actually I could probably batter him I think that turns people off Battering me I've always said this You know uh, Beating me up Is like masturbating You know It'll feel good But nobody will be impressed You know <laughs> And if you do it in a pub You will be asked to leave Do you know what I mean Like yeah. That's it But we were in Inverness And like that big death metal Guy in a death metal band Try to kick me Beat me up And everybody was like What happened there And then they kind of took Roscoe aside And went That was all on me man I was winding that guy up For hours Because he was being An, an asshole <laughs> And you, you were the one That got set <laughs> Yeah he was He was I, I was like Oh god Here we go man Like Because uh, I was pretty lit So I was like Well this might be Interesting This might be An interesting way To spend the night You know I've I think the guy's Ma had to pick him up for the rural festival. Yeah. And he was like screaming, like, let me am, let me am. And I was just like, oh, that big man tried to attack me. Can somebody buy me a drink? <laughs> I mean, you, I don't even know if you know, but there was a bit of. You wouldn't have a guy with glasses, would you? You and someone else walked away into this different bit, and then I spotted him following you. So mm-hmm. I was like, oh, now I need to follow him. Yeah, yeah. And then I was like, oh, this is going to be it. Me and this guy going to. Fucking tumble somewhere Yeah I've been out a few farm. times man It's good But then uh, everything was fine And I think we'd uh, That guy had to leave Yeah So And then I sat next to a fire And I was drinking something It was quite nice I Slept had a good in time. your car Did we? Oh, Comedy's yeah, so, so great did. man <laughs> You're always sleeping in people's cars Yeah <laughs> Right so Anyway I think it's time to start Ramping things up Chris Roscoe's been a blast as ever. Everybody, you've heard where to follow these guys, where to see the content, uh, content even. Uh, both hilarious. Both be doing shows for the rest of the year. Chris MacArthur, Boyd Russell McClelland, thanks for coming on Laughter Unlocked. It's been a blast. No worries, brother. Big shout out to the Danish listeners. All those Danish freaks out there. Yes. <laughs> we just lost the Danish market. What are you doing? I'll get them back. I know, I know the guy's name. I'll just text him. <laughs> Sale is now on at Harry Corey. Harry Corey. Prices are falling in every department. Duvet sets from only £7.50, pillows from only £6, and lined eyelet curtains from just £12.50. The Harry Corey Winter Sale now on. Call in store or online at harrycorry.com while these wonderful offers last. Harry Corey, the curtain bedding specialists. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.